0: All right, we've made it to Thursday. It is Thursday, January 26th, 2023. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mosh Nunu.
1: And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, as we record this, my understanding is meteorologists are trying to figure out today whether it actually snowed in New York and why that's significant is because there has been no snow This entire winter, and if no real snow fell today, and it's questionable because it was snow rain mix, this will be the longest ever New York City has not gone with snow in a winter.
1: At least on Long Island, I definitely saw snow falling, but it definitely did not stick uh, because it was sort of like that snow rain mix. But that should count as snow. I guess it just doesn't count for accumulation.
0: Yeah, I guess it has to be measurable snow. Uh, we'll, we'll dig into this further on the Instagram account. But officially, New Yorkers, uh, no snow as of January 26th this winter.
1: I'm kind of sad about it. I got to say, I like the snow. I, I don't like it all the time. But it's it's part of winter.
0: Yeah, it speaks to this larger climate shift we're happening in the Northeast where we're getting these warmer winters.
1: Okay, now to some other news that we're following. The teacher who was shot by a six year old is suing the school district. We're going to break down some new details about what happened that day and how the student got the gun in the first place. A status update on inflation and why some economists say don't expect prices to go down anytime soon. In a change of strategy, the U.S. and Germany agree to send advanced tanks to Ukraine. He's back. Meta has reinstated Donald Trump on Facebook and Instagram. How much time Americans are saving by working remotely? The Earth's inner core may be slowing down. Sounds scary, but scientists say NBD. That's no big deal. Did we know that? (laughs)
0: <laughs> i'm hip with that language jill and mosh has on this day famous words from president bill clinton on this day will give you your fill of 90s history today
1: okay let's start though with the virginia teacher who was shot by a six-year-old student during class she is now suing the school district abigail Zwerner's attorney said that on the day of the shooting teachers and employees warned administrators three times that the boy had a gun on him and was threatening other students. But she says, quote, the administration could not be bothered. The lawyer said this tragedy was entirely preventable if the school administrators responsible for school safety had done their part and taken action when they had knowledge of imminent danger. So Zwerner's attorney gave a bit of a timeline on how things played out the day of the shooting. It happened at the Rich Neck Elementary School in Newport News, Virginia, this is how the three hours before the shooting went down. At around 11.15 a.m., Zwerner told an administrator that the six-year-old had threatened to beat up another child. She said the school did not call security and did not remove the student from the classroom. Then at 12.30 p.m., another teacher, after apparently receiving a warning that the boy had a gun, searched his backpack and flagged school administrators but found no gun. The teacher then tells the administrator that she believes the boy put the gun in his pocket before going outside for recess. But according to the attorney, the administrator downplayed the possibility of a gun, saying, well, he has little pockets. So now we're at around 1 p.m. That is when a third teacher told administrators about a different student who was crying and scared and bravely told the teacher that the boy showed him the gun at recess and threatened to shoot him if he told anyone. The attorney said administrators again failed to take any action or notify authorities. Minutes later, a fourth employee who heard about the gun asked an administrator for permission to search the boy. And was denied. So the shooting happened at around 2 p.m. when the boy pulled out a gun and shot Zwerner as she was teaching a lesson. He fired one round. He hit Zwerner in her hand and chest. And despite that, she managed to get the other students out of the classroom and uh, make sure that they were all safe.
0: Yeah, she was wounded and saving her students at the same time. Jill, just remarkable when you hear that timeline. Just really shocking, stunning. Zorner is now at home after being treated at the hospital, but her attorney says she will have lasting physical and psychological scars. School officials right now will not comment on the lawsuit. The superintendent has previously said that at least one administrator was told on the day of the shooting that the boy might have a weapon. But no weapon was found when his backpack was searched. So we just knew about that one instance that they uh, owned up to. This lawsuit lays out, you know, a really remarkable timeline. The police in Newport News back up to this account to a certain extent saying they were also never informed about the reports of a gun before the shooting occurred. And we're also learning more about the weapon used and how the six-year-old might have gotten it. Police say the boy's mother bought the gun legally and the family said that the gun was, quote, secured in a secure location. The family attorney telling the AP that it was in the mother's closet on a shelf over six feet high and had a trigger lock that required a key. And so somehow the six-year-old must have gotten to that shelf And somehow unlocked that trigger lock and then brought the gun to school. That is still TBD at this point. The statement doesn't account for that. The family also says in a statement that the boy had an acute disability and was under a care plan that had actually included his mother or father attending school with him every day. But the week of the shooting was the first when a parent was not in class with him, according to the family.
1: According to messages from teachers obtained by the Washington Post, Zwerner had repeatedly asked administrators for help with the boy, but school officials downplayed warnings about his behavior from her and other teachers, including an incident where he threatened to light a teacher on fire and to watch her die. Police are still investigating the case. They have not announced any charges, Experts say it's not likely the six-year-old is going to be charged because children under seven are presumed not to be able to form the intent to carry out an illegal act. Police said they are exploring the possibility of charging the boy's mother for failing to secure the gun. The district has announced that it is purchasing 90 metal detectors. They're going to be installing them at all of their schools. They're also going to get some clear backpacks from students all in the wake of the incident. Um, but again, that's treating the symptom here and not the cause.
0: Yeah, there's another case I'm watching uh, that was sent to me actually by a teacher, Jill. We've been having this conversation since the weekend, since The Washington Post first started to learn about some of these stories prior to the lawsuit. This is the case out of North Carolina in Pender County. That's where a teacher is suing a school principal after being injured by a student. So far, the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has gone up to that level at this point, has ruled in favor of the school and the principal. Uh, Essentially, what happened is the middle school teacher was attacked by a special ed student. She said she had complained previous to that about not getting a second teacher in the classroom, her concerns about that student. uh, The administration, according to her, did nothing. The courts so far have ruled, though, that the principal has what's called qualified immunity. You often hear this phrase thrown out with police. Essentially, qualified immunity is the idea that government officials, whether you're a police officer or in this case, a public school principal, you have immunity from civil suits for things unless they clearly violate constitutional rights. So, Interesting precedent there. We'll see how the whole situation plays out in Virginia, where I imagine charges at some point will be brought against the parents. uh, And we'll see how the lawsuit plays out against the school.
1: All right, moving on, a couple of economic headlines that we want to tell you about. Inflation is cooling, but prices on many items are probably going to stay high for quite a few more months. According to CNBC, over the past few months, a lot of the factors that had fueled sky-high inflation have started to fade. Shipping costs have dropped. Cotton, beef, and other commodities have gotten cheaper, and shoppers found deeper discounts online and at malls during the holiday season. However, cheaper freight and commodity costs will not immediately trickle down to consumers. And that is in part because a lot of those contracts, um, they set prices months in advance. So here's where things stand right about now. Prices still well above where they were a year ago. And we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Eggs, for example, those prices have more than doubled. Uh, cereal prices, bakery products all jump double digits. But again, there is some light at the end of the tunnel as the underlying cause of the price increases does start to get better. Things like avian flu abating, gas prices coming down. Then it's a dilemma, though, for businesses. You've got retailers, restaurants, airlines, other companies deciding whether they want to pass those price cuts on to consumers or just keep the profits.
0: Yeah. Ultimately, those profits matter to their shareholders, especially you know when they're publicly traded companies. So it it is interesting. And it does reinforce the argument you hear from the White House, uh, some Democrats, uh, that this is price gouging and not just inflation, uh, especially as some of these prices come down. There is something to the long-term contracts, though, that these companies sign with their suppliers. Many companies will sign these long-term contracts that set current prices because they're trying to guard against prices going even higher. So that often means that you have to wait months sometimes to see some prices come down, even when you're like, wait, why are they still charging that much if this problem has gone away? Economists like to remind all of us that as consumers, we are in control, though. If we all insist on not paying high prices or finding alternatives or competitors, the laws of supply and demand will take hold, will work in our favor, and will force the uh, retailers and other stores To bring down prices. So, uh, long story short here, uh, inflation abetting. The question is, how long till we feel it in our wallets and pocketbooks? Jill, staying on the money front, there's a story from Axios I want to let everyone know about. It basically summarizes what to expect or this year, what not to expect when it comes to your tax return. And it appears that most Americans will be getting a smaller tax refund. Than the last couple of years without the padding of those pandemic era tax breaks a couple things to be on the lookout for the enhanced child tax credit is gone congress did not renew that late last year so parents who were receiving thirty six hundred dollars per child will now just get two thousand dollars per child the child and dependent care credit which is a break that helps working parents pay for child care returns to a maximum of twenty one hundred dollars that was instead of $8,000 that you might have been getting in the past couple of years. And the earned income tax credit is lower than last year for taxpayers without children. So just a couple of things to be aware of uh, as you uh, organize your taxes, file your taxes. The IRS, by the way, is already uh, starting to accept them uh, that you just might not be getting the check that you've gotten in the past couple of years. Okay, everyone, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors this week. I want to start with Athletic Greens. I've been using their AG1 supplement since the fall. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy, quick, and lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten a bunch of valuable vitamins. The uh, AG1 powder includes 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics that support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of the AG1 powder. You can visit athleticgreens.com slash mo news to take advantage of this offer. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash mo news, M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal to really start to take ownership of your health. Okay. I also feel like on this podcast we talk a lot about sleep studies and the importance of getting a good night's sleep and its impact on your health. Well, we have some great news for Mo News listeners on one thing that might help you. & Branch Bedding and Sheets is extending their special deal for all Mo News listeners. They're offering you fifteen percent off plus free shipping for a limited time with the promo code Mo News M O N E W S. Bull and Branch sheets are made with 100% organic cotton. We spend a third of our lives in bed. Sheets are a big deal. Jill, as I told you yesterday, apparently President Clinton and President (laughs) Bush have both used Bowl and Branch sheets, so a bipartisan endorsement. So, again, the deal is this. For a limited time, get 15% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use the promo code MONEWS over at BullandBranch.com. That is B-O-L-L. A-N-D branch, bullandbranch.com, promo code MONEWS.
1: Time now for the Speed Reads. Let's start with a quick update to a story that we told you about yesterday. From the Washington Post, the U.S. will be sending 31 of its premier battle tanks, the M1 Abrams tank, to ukraine the administration will also be sending eight m88 armored recovery vehicles designed to tow and repair tanks and provide training on how to operate and maintain the tanks that training will happen outside of ukraine the tanks are not likely to arrive in time for an expected spring offensive however germany meanwhile will deliver many of its leopard two tanks from across europe the country will also be helping to train ukrainian troops on how to operate them President Biden spoke to European leaders before the announcement. He said the decision shows Russian President Putin is wrong in thinking that the West would eventually tire of its commitment to Ukraine and break up their coalition.
0: This comes after a pretty contentious couple of weeks between the U.S., Germans, and European allies about how to approach this. Uh, There was a lot of pressure on Germany to send some tanks to Ukraine to help them out. Germany effectively refused, saying, America, unless you also send tanks, we will not be sending tanks to Ukraine. And so that led to this whole back and forth. Eventually, U.S. relenting on uh, our tanks. By the way, some of our tanks might take years before they get to Ukraine. The German tanks are expected to get there much sooner. A number of people, Jill, were asking why. Why are the Germans so reluctant to you know, send the tanks over? Aren't they supportive of Ukraine? Yes, they are, diplomatically. But uh, it's a simple answer to why the Germans are reluctant to send weapons to Ukraine. The simple answer is history, World War II. Germany doesn't want to be involved in war again, especially after World War I and II, where it was effectively considered responsible for both of those world wars. Keep in mind the last time German tanks faced off against Russia, World War II, Hitler's tanks. Germany uh, has been reluctant to get involved in any military affairs after just the catastrophe of World War II, so they've been very cautious for decades now, especially in the last couple of years, trying to give support in this war in ukraine uh, to the extent possible without getting involved in heavy military affairs Uh, they don't want to get sucked into a global war again so that's why this whole thing has been so contentious but eventually here the u.s came in saying you know we will take some of the brunt of the russian uh anger here and keep in mind by the way geographically germany located pretty close to russia so they're a little freaked out by some of putin's rhetoric
1: on that note, Moshe, the Russian ambassador to Germany has said that Germany has crossed a red line with this arms delivery to Kyiv.
0: Yeah, we'll see what they mean by that. I mean, the, the Russians have put out a lot of those statements these past 11 months, even you know at times invoking their nuclear arsenal. And that's what concerns the Germans about all of this. Uh, but they've uh, basically said, America, let's hold hands and jump into this together by sending Ukraine tanks. And that appears to be what we're doing. From Axios, it's official. He's back. Donald
1: Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts are being reinstated. Parent company Meta announced on Wednesday. It comes a little more than two years after he was suspended from the platforms over posts on the January 6th riot at the Capitol. In a statement, the company said Trump's accounts will be reinstated in the coming weeks. But it comes with, quote, new guardrails in place to deter repeat offenses. Those guardrails will include heightened penalties for repeat offenses, penalties which will apply to other public figures whose accounts are reinstated from suspensions related to civil unrest under our updated protocol. They added that in the event that Trump posts further violating content, that content will be removed and he will be suspended for between one month and two years, depending on the severity of the violation
0: meta had a whole board here working on this uh you might remember trump was reinstated to twitter in the fall that was basically just elon Musk's decision on his own uh facebook zuckerberg has kicked this to a whole committee it's been referred to as the supreme court of meta that's been deliberating over this coming up with all these new rules and so now trump will be subject to these new policies around public figure accounts and civil unrest he'll also be subject to what they call crisis policy protocol which was introduced last summer, that will consider both on and off platform risks of imminent harm to evaluating whether actions or speech of any public figures require sanctioning. So basically, the holistic approach, not just what's happening on Facebook or Instagram, but what's happening in the world. They're going to take into account here, Jill, newsworthy content, effectively meaning if the content violates company standards, but is newsworthy, meaning it's of public interest, uh, they will have to decide which one uh, creates potential harm and how the company deals with it. One thing they might consider is not taking down that content, but restricting the distribution of that content. Trump took notice on Wednesday of the decision taking to his social media platform, the only one he's had access to for the past couple of years, the one he created, Truth Social, to write the following, Facebook, all caps, which has lost billions of dollars in value since deplatforming your favorite president, me, has just announced that they are reinstating my account such a thing should never happen to a sitting president or anybody else who is not deserving of retribution, exclamation point. So that is Trump's reaction. It'll be interesting, though, to see, Jill, whether he actually goes and posts on Facebook and Instagram again. As we mentioned, he's back on Twitter, but actually hasn't tweeted since he was let back on in November.
1: From Billboard, Justin Bieber sells rights to his music catalog to Hypnosis Songs Capital for $200 million. It is the company's biggest deal to date and the largest agreement for any artist of his generation. It covers all 290 titles in Bieber's catalog released prior to December 31st of 2021 including his most recent album, Justice. Following a hot 2021 for catalog sales with deals with icons like Bruce Springsteen and Paul Simon and some of the world's biggest private equity players like Blackstone, all taking stakes in the market, rising interest rates and changes in currency exchanges cooled the sector in 2022. Deals, though, have still been getting done. Last year, we saw Justin Timberlake, uh, Leonard Cohen, Nile Rogers, Kenny Chesney, Neil Young, Nellie Furtado, all selling some of their rights. Uh, Sting, David Bowie's estate, Phil Collins, Future, Frank Zappa's estate, Neil Diamond also sold certain assets to investors in 2022.
0: Yeah, that Bruce deal, Jill, was for $550 million uh, for his catalog. It's been interesting because most of the people selling their catalogs are, you know, basically older artists who have decades and decades of uh, catalog to sell. Newer catalogs like Bieber's are considered riskier investments since they don't have as much of a history behind them to prove staying power. That said, Bieber is Bieber. And he's been, you know, working and putting out music since he was a, you know, basically a small child.
1: I was still surprised, though, that he had two hundred and ninety-one songs.
0: It's pretty incredible how prolific he has been. And that's probably why he got this big number, $200 million uh, for his catalog. Uh, A lot of people are wondering why this big surge in catalog sales. A lot of it has to do with the fact that streaming has now made these catalogs much more valuable. And so you have a lot of these banks and financial companies getting involved here, offering 20 to 30 times what was previously offered for these song catalogs. Uh, keep in mind, that was streaming rights, digital rights now. Once they own your catalog, they can sell it off for you know TV commercials, movies, TV shows, uh, streaming, fitness apps. Uh, Jill, every time you and I post a song on Instagram, or on on any social media platform, you know, that's licensing rights, you know, we're, we're using a popular song. So the banks, the financial companies are making a long term bet here. So what's in it for these artists? Well, it's the kind of traditional lottery debate, you know, if we won the lottery, you can either get an annual sum or a lump sum in beginning. So this is effectively the artist opting for a lump sum, you know, Bieber saying, I'll take the 200 million now, thank you. Uh, Springsteen saying, I'll take the $550 million now, thank you, as opposed to betting on the long term. Some of it has to do with also how you'll hand over things to descendants, descendants, you know, your children, people who inherit your estate will have a much more complicated time with your song catalog, a much more simple time with, here's $200 million. Right. Uh, <laughs> you guys figure out how to deal with it.
1: But you know what? I am somewhat surprised that this company wanted to make the deal. You've got to hope that Justin Bieber behaves himself because, and this is nothing against Justin Bieber, but we point to some artists like Bruce Springsteen and some of these older artists, their reputations are solid. They, you know, they've lived most of their lives already. Somebody like Justin Bieber, I, Again, I'm not saying that he's going to do anything horrible, but who knows what, you know, who, they're so young. Who knows what's going to happen?
0: I mean, that's the inherent risk there, right? He's, pre, he's been prolific, but there's always an inherent risk there. I mean, imagine if you owned R. Kelly's catalog for a couple hundred million. Like, what are you doing with that today? No one's listening to that, right? Presumably Bieber, uh, not R. Kelly in this case. But I mean, these numbers are incredible. Bowie, 250 million for his catalog. Uh, Sting, 250 million. Neil Diamond was a couple hundred million. Phil Collins and Genesis, 300 million. And so it just goes on and on, but this is the long term bet a lot of these financial firms are making. Uh, But you bring up a good point on Bieber, you know, only being 28 years old.
1: On the opposite end, Taylor Swift, she's basically taking the opposite tactic, fighting to maintain creative control, even re recording some of her songs to gain publishing rights to her music.
0: Yeah, everyone else is like, yeah, for a certain price, you can buy my rights. And Taylor's like, no, 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 I'm going to own all my own stuff.
1: From space.com, Earth's inner core may be slowing down compared to the rest of the planet. But this is not an Earth-stopping event. The spinning, solid inner core of the Earth may be slowing down by a minuscule amount, according to evidence from earthquakes. Researchers in China looked at measurements of seismic waves passing through the Earth from earthquakes dating all the way back to the 1960s. They found that the planet's solid iron core, about 3,200 miles below our feet, had been rotating slightly faster than the Earth's mantle, but since 2009, there's been little difference in travel time of waves through the Earth, suggesting the spin has slowed down and could soon, if we could see down to the core, appear to be rotating in the opposite direction relative to us, not actually changing direction, though. Previous studies suggested a steady rotation of the inner
0: core. Jill, you know what I learned today or maybe was reminded of after not being in- uh, Earth science. Being in science class in high school, we're only 3,200 miles above the Earth's core. I mean, that's like the distance from New York to LA. Like I kind of assumed the Earth was deeper than that, but clearly not.
1: Do you remember as a kid building sandcastles and parents would come up and be like, what are you digging to China? You know, like thinking that was so far, like you were digging through the earth.
0: Yeah, it's like 3,200 miles and you're at the Earth's core where like we could all melt. Anyway, this is a totally freaky headline for a lot of people, especially those who uh, saw that uh, thriller, The Core, where effectively the, uh, you know, the core has stopped and we have to dig in and drop a bunch of nukes in the Earth's core to get it like started again uh apparently not totally based on science not surprisingly uh and apparently the concern among some back here in the real world was would this earth's core shifting or stopping have any impact on the magnetic field of earth apparently not and apparently there is evidence that this slowing the speeding up the oscillation inside the core is actually part of a 70-year cycle. And not surprisingly, within the scientific community, there is a disagreement about the data that's being presented here. And despite the headlines claiming that the Earth's inner core might change direction, some scientists say the finding simply indicates that the inner core is now more in sync with the rest of us than a decade ago when it was spinning a bit faster. The quote that I'm clinging to, Jill, one scientist says, quote, nothing cataclysmic is happening here. We'll send you home with that.
1: Okay, from Bloomberg, remote work saves global commuters 72 minutes a day. According to a new study, that's time that they're splitting between their jobs, leisure, and caregiving. Remote staff are saving the most time in China, where foregoing the trek to and from one's workplace is freeing up about 102 minutes a day. According to the study published this month by the National Bureau of Economic Research, Serbian workers saw the smallest savings, just 51 minutes, while those in the U.S. saved about 55 minutes a day.
0: Yeah, these commute times are pretty long in some of these countries. You mentioned China at 102 minutes a day. Japanese uh, at-home workers are saving 100 minutes a day. India, 99 minutes. Uh, So, you know, some of us can complain about traffic, but on average, Americans, I guess, are spending less time in traffic than years ago. Essentially what was done here, economists calculated daily commute times for workers across 27 countries over the last two years. And then they calculated who were the beneficiaries of this extra time we have. So in China, you know, uh, the average Chinese worker is freeing up 102 minutes. Here in the U.S., 55 minutes. Well, who's benefiting from that? Businesses are. Because it turns out workers are devoting 40% of our saved time towards our jobs. Uh, About a third of our saved time goes towards leisure activities, 11% to caregiving. So folks, that time that you were saving on your commute, you're just giving back to your employer on average, according to the study. And Jill, I came across a separate study today as we were talking about this report, and it found that this is a study from a couple of years ago. The average American spends 18 days a year in our car when you add up commute times. Literally, you lose 18 days of your year—nearly three weeks—shuffling music, listening to the Mo News podcast, honking <laughs> at people in front of you.
1: You should say honk if you're listening to the Mo News podcast right now. There
0: you go. That's that's <laughs> especially in New York City. That's what I believe.
1: From USA Today, Razzie Awards apologized to 12-year-old girl for insensitive Worst Actress nomination. The award show, which honors the worst movies and performers of the year, nominated Ryan Kiara Armstrong for Worst Actress for playing a girl with pyrokinetic abilities in last summer's Firestarter. Armstrong is 12 and was included in the category along Hollywood veterans like Alicia Silverstone and Diane Keaton, Firestarter is adopted from Stephen King's 1980 novel. It was also nominated for the worst remake, ripoff, or sequel.
0: So we told you about the Oscar noms yesterday. As always, they're the Razzies, the worst movies of the year. This is just mean, going after a 12-year-old. People on social media uh, lit them up, saying that the nomination, they called it ignorant, hateful, bullying. In response, the co-founder of the Razzies released a statement apologizing, calling the criticisms valid, and they added that actors and filmmakers under the age of 18 will no longer be considered for Razzie Awards. Well, thank you, Razzies.
1: A smart move, I think, uh, on Razzie's part. But in case you're wondering here, uh, Netflix's Marilyn Monroe drama Blonde led this year's nominations with eight, including Worst Picture.
0: Yeah, Joe, I know you didn't like it. I saw the terrible reviews and was like, I'm not even going to bother with this. And if anyone's curious, the winners of the Razzies will be announced the night before the Oscars on March 11th. All right, that now brings us to On This Day in History, Jill. We'll begin with a couple birthday mentions. Hockey great Wayne Gretzky turned 62 today. Ellen DeGeneres is 65, eligible for retirement. Boy, does that make me feel old. I mean, I remember first learning of her and watching her uh, primetime show in the 90s.
1: Mosh, when I was on maternity leave with my daughter, I watched Ellen DeGeneres. I watched her show every single day.
0: Yeah, she was probably the closest thing after Oprah retired to kind of that must-see TV, highest-rated daytime slot. Uh, Speaking of TV, Jimmy Kimmel Live officially turns 20 years old today. It's been uh, now on ABC, late night, for 20 years. Uh, A couple other items. This one takes us a little further back to 1788, 235 years ago today. The British settlement of Australia officially began. They sent a fleet of 11 ships with a bunch of convicts to the colony of New South Wales, which would become, the whole thing would become Australia, and eventually became commemorated as Australia Day, though in recent times, Australia Day has become increasingly controversial because it marks the official colonization of the continent when the indigenous people uh, of that continent were dispossessed of their land uh, by the Brits. So that is 235 years ago today, sending the first prisoners from England to Australia.
1: On a non-serious note, Mosh, had anyone from England ever been to Australia? Because if they had, that is not a penal colony. It's gorgeous. I mean, it's it's like all beaches. It's, it's some of the most beautiful geography you could ever imagine.
0: I think over time, the Brits realized that. Australians certainly know that. And certainly world uh, global tourists know that. But initially, in the late 1700s, it was a place to send prisoners pretty incredibly. Okay, a bit of more recent history. On this day in 1988, Phantom of the Opera began its record run on Broadway. The Andrew Lloyd Webber musical is the longest ever running Broadway show. And there actually is just a couple more months to still go see it. They announced last year that they will be ending their run after 35 years. They were actually supposed to end it all in February. But because of the interest in tickets, it continues. Uh, Apparently, it is now set to depart Broadway in April. So you have a couple more months left. Did you ever see it?
1: I have Mosh when I was younger. My grandma D used to take me all the time to see Broadway shows. And then we'd go to Tavern on the Green. It was like, it was such a special way to spend time with her. Um, And spoiler alert for anybody who has not seen it yet. The chandelier basically comes falling down. Obviously it stops before it hits anybody, but that's like the big excitement for it. It's, it's a great show. The music is awesome.
0: I grew up on a steady diet of Andrew Lloyd Webber. My mom would play it on repeat in the minivan growing up. So I know a good share of songs from Cats, Joseph and the Amazing Technology Dream Dreamcoat, Jesus Christ Superstar, Evita, um, and of course, Phantom. And then we finally brought my mom from Chicago to New York to see Phantom in person a couple of years ago. It's really special, uh, me, uh, Alex, and my mom. A uh, couple last items here. 53 years ago today, Simon and Garfunkel dropped their final studio album. That would be Bridge Over Troubled Water, January 26, 1970. And we'll end here. 25 years ago today, these famous words were uttered I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. That, of course, is President Clinton. On January 26, 1998, 25 years ago, publicly denying having sex with former White House intern Monica Lewinsky, we would come to find out that he was lying. He would admit that. And within a year, he was impeached by the U.S. House, not convicted by the Senate overlying about the whole thing.
1: It's incredible how much the times have changed, Moshe, because the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky story in a post-Me Too era is so dramatically different than than during the 90s and just how Bill Clinton was viewed up until a few years ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at it with a 2023 lens, right? He was 49 years old with a 22-year-old intern, commander-in-chief, effectively the most powerful person on earth, and yet the late night comedy, all of us, I mean, I remember being in high school at the time, etc. She was the brunt of all the jokes. She was being mocked, you know, he was being defended. And you look at it in context now and you're like, you know, it's the reverse. And you've sort of seen this rehabilitation of Monica, of her story, her speaking out. She's particularly funny on Twitter, by the way, uh, but pretty incredible story also to look at in the context of today's politics and, uh, you know, sexual mores and, and all the rest.
1: All right. Uh, On that note, we want to thank you for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow.
0: Love all the reviews. Love all the support. Thank you all for continuing to spread the word about the Mo News Podcast. You can also catch us over on Instagram uh, over at the Mo News account at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H. And uh, we'll have some news for you very soon on the Mo News website and Mo News newsletter. So stay tuned. Bye, y'all.